Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. It's another edition of the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown. I've got my cup of tea here and I've got an international expert. That's the two things I need, plus a Zoom background like this. We've got everything in place. I'm thrilled to have me today on the show, Adam Lean. Good day, sir. Good day. Thank you so much for inviting me on your podcast. Well, Adam, we are honored. You are a podcaster yourself. Tell us a little bit about your show and what you do. Uh, So I have a podcast as well. It's called Escaping the Accountant's Trap, and it's for accountants, bookkeepers, enrolled agents, really anybody that's a financial professional that traditionally does compliance or transactional work, meaning they do they do the books, they do the taxes, they're tra- transactional or compliance in nature. We call it a trap <laughs> that you want to escape from. And the, the idea is that every, according to your clients, from, from your client standpoint, every accountant and every bookkeeper does the same quality of work. And so they don't know the difference between a good bookkeeper, a bad bookkeeper, a good accountant, bad accountant. They just choose an accountant. And if they get along with the accountant, they'll stick with the accountant for years. Well, here's the problem is that in order for the accountant to make more money, they either have to get more clients or work or, or work more hours. And, and neither appeals to the client, to the accountant because who wants to work more hours and, you know, it, adding more clients to your plate increases your complexity and just stresses you out. At the same time, accountants can't raise their fees because like I said earlier, in the minds of their clients, every accountant does the same thing. So the accountant is thought of as a commodity, much like if there's two gas stations next to each other and one's you know 50 cents higher than the other, most people are going to go to the cheaper gas station, even though the quality of the gasoline may be different. But to most people, they don't care. And to most business owners, they don't understand. They don't have the capacity to understand how to differentiate between a good account and a bad account. Therefore, the accountant can't charge more because the book, the business owners thinking, why would I pay you more when this person over here or this software or this tech company that says they do accounting now will do it cheaper? So this is all the trap. And so that's basically what our that's, I mean, that's our philosophy, and that's why we called our podcast Escaping the Accountant's Trap. Well, that's all we've got time for today, folks. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening to that. That's been amazing. <laughs> I can just see, Adam, with you, you're like a, a little clockwork mouse. You just give you a question, wind you up, and away you are good to go. <laughs> I've never... I have never been called that before, but thank we you. Got, we got that. answers to about 12 different questions right there, but thank you for that. And 
It's a play on words in a way because an accountant's trap, there are so many things that trap accountants. Yes, they're wonderful. Yes, they're technically super smart. Yes, they stand in the gap and make a difference. Yes, they are the trusted advisors, but there are a few different traps they fall into. And you invite your guests to articulate just one of the traps they see from their perspective, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Because I mean, there's, like you said, there's many different traps that accountants fall into. And and I, I feel like accountants are are hungry for more because they've gone to school or, or they've got a lot of experience and they're an accountant, they're a bookkeeper, they're a financial professional. They should be revered by their clients. But unfortunately, of the laundry list of things that a client, a business owner thinks about each day, accounting falls towards the bottom. And it's very similar to a dentist. I mean, who looks forward to going to, to their dentist? Nobody's lying awake at night thinking, oh, three more weeks till my dental appointment. But you have to go to a dentist because you you have to maintain that. Just like you have to go to an accountant or to get your books done or get your taxes done. But most people aren't looking forward to it. But what if, what if as an accountant, your clients will look forward to meeting you because they want to hear what you have to say. Then all of a sudden your stock with them will go up. You'll be revered by your clients. They'll charge, you'll, you'll be able to charge more and they'll pay for it because you're helping them do the thing that they care about. Instead of just recording the past or just making sure the taxes are done, you're now helping them improve their future. And if you could do that, they'll pay you whatever you ask. So in full disclosure, I am not an accountant. I'm a former high school math teacher. I'm a part qualified accountant. I started a degree in accounting and passed some of it. Are you a qualified accountant? And do you need to be, Adam, to talk about what you talk about? A great question. Um, and we get this question a lot. There's a lot of, I'm going to answer it two different ways. The first way I'm going to answer it is you could have all the, the letters after your name. You could be a CPA, you could be a chartered accountant, you could be whatever it is that that people say that qualifies them. You could, you could be the most credentialed person and still fail at being a CFO or advisor to small and medium-sized businesses. Why? Because we, as an outsourced CFO, CFO or outsourced business advisor, I'll use those interchangeably, our job is to guide the client to get them to take action. And you could be the CFO for Coca-Cola today, a multi-international billion dollar business, and still fail at getting a small and medium-sized uh, business owner to take action because that's a different skill set. So just because you're not the most credentialed person, you're not the, you know, the, 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 the most qualified CFO to run a large business, doesn't mean that you're not absolutely qualified to help the thousands or millions of small and medium-sized businesses that are not deciding between you and the Coca-Cola CFO, they're deciding between you and nobody. And therefore, the, the, the business owner, if they don't choose you, they're going to keep doing the same thing that they're doing. They rely on their employees or their friends or their, their spouse to help guide them. And they're not, they're going to flounder and they're going to fail, which is why most businesses, you know, 80% of businesses fail before by the time they reach their 10th birthday, 50% fail by the time they reach their fifth birthday. They fail because they don't have somebody that understands, has a basic understanding of the financials that can guide them to get them to take action. So that's, to answer your question, you don't have to be, anybody listening, you don't have to be credentialed in the traditional sense. Are we, in our organization, we train bookkeepers and accountants to be outsourced CFO business advisors. We're not training you to be the CFO for for Coca-Cola tomorrow. We're training you to be the CFO for small and medium-sized businesses, which represent 99% of all businesses on earth anyways. And they're they're desperately needed. Somebody like you that has an understanding of financial concepts and that cares, 
If you have those two things, if you care about helping business owners and you have a basic understanding of financials, we'll train you to do the rest. From a mathematics perspective, some of us listening, watching may remember the Venn diagrams when we were at school, the circles that intersect. Let's put the accountant circle next to the CFO circle. And there would be some intersection there, wouldn't there? Some accountants are CFOs, some CFOs are accountants. Talk to us about how those two worlds marry up, Adam. Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Uh, so accountants, if you take the accountant circle, the accountant's job is to record the past. I mean, that's really what the accountant's job, a bookkeeper's job, literally, literally to keep the books. Uh, CFO's job is to take the numbers and strategize on the future of the business. Where does the business want to go? That could be an accountant too, though, couldn't it? And should be maybe. Um, it could be. And it, it, yes, it absolutely should be. But most, in, in our experience, most accountants aren't fo forward focused. Um and they're not forward focused for a few reasons. One, they don't know how really. And two, they have a million compliance tasks sitting on their desk and they don't have time to do that, <laughs> nor are they getting paid for it adequately. Um, the only time they actually do it is when the client asks, well, what do you mean? I made $100,000 in profit and have to pay taxes on that, but only have $8,000 in the bank. You know, th that th what, what happened? Then the accountant's forced to put their CFO hat on and help figure it out. But the accountants are like, I don't, I don't really know. I mean- um, I don't know where the money went, you know, um, and they don't have time to, to dive into that because they have to get all the, the other 800 tax returns done by, by you know, by the deadline. Um, but but to your question, yes, they can and should be. The accountant absolutely should be an advisor to their client. And that's that's what we're saying. But in terms of the Venn diagram, the accountant traditionally looks at the past. The CFO traditionally looks at the future. The overlap there is an advisor that can get a client, very similar to what I said earlier, get a client to take action. Because uh, the, the, the problem with accountants and bookkeepers is that you have this amazing opportunity to help your clients have a successful business. But like I mentioned earlier, most businesses fail and they all had bookkeepers and they all had accountants, which means all of those accountants failed at helping their client do the one thing required to stay in business, whatever that is. And by the way, the one thing required to stay in business is cash flow, which is a, which is a financial construct, which means the best person in the business owner's lives to help them is the accountant. And so that Venn diagram, the, the overlapping is the advising part, is, is, is getting a client to take action. And, and most business owners, most business owners, I'm going to say something that's kind of controversial. Most business owners are not the most business savvy people. Like you think of a business owner, you think of this person, this person that's sitting at this long conference table, pouring over data and, and barking orders. No, most business owners are in the field. They're boots on the ground people. Think of like the dentist. The, the dentist is trained in dentistry, so they start a business. Right. They've got a set of skills and they've got a good idea. You're right. Exactly. And they're entrepreneurial. They get out and take action. They do something. And so they need somebody that understands the, the, the financials that can give them advice. And so that's exactly what, what, what I'd say is the, the Venn diagram overlapping. Accountants can be CFOs. CFOs can be accountants. What do business clients really want from their accountant? Or we could throw in their CFO advisor. They'd be different things, presumably. I think it's the same thing, actually. I think that business owners want their accountant slash CFO slash business advisor slash bookkeeper to be somebody that they can trust to just tell them what to do to have a growing and successful business. I mean, if you think about that, it's, it's sort of three different things in there. They want somebody that they can trust because there's not that many people in the business owner's lives that they can trust. Most business owners, when they have an issue, they'll turn to their friends, their family, their employees, 
um, they'll turn to their banker, their, their bookkeeper or accountant, but usually they don't get much help in return. But they'll turn to these handful of people just asking, begging for help because business owners are scared and overwhelmed in many cases, and they don't know what to do. The dentist is a good dentist. The person that starts a construction firm probably has a background in construction, and they know construction. All of a sudden, they have a $40,000 payroll uh, you know, coming up next Friday, and they only have 18,000 in the bank, and they, they're scared. They don't know what to do, and they want somebody to turn to for help. Um, so they want somebody that they could trust to tell them what to do. That's the second part of this. In clear language, most business owners, when they ask their accountant for advice on what to do, what does the accountant do? Here's your balance sheet. Here's your P&L. Here's your income statement. Those are accounting reports. They're not business. They're not business managerial reports. It's like me going to the mechanic because my car is messing up. I go to the mechanic and the mechanic hand prints me off this this 12 page sheet that that is written in you know car mechanic engine language that I have no idea. I can't even change the tire on my car. I have no idea what it means. I want you to interpret it for me and just tell me what to do. That's what business owners are craving. They don't want to look at reports. And that's why all this, you know, these apps that that hook up to QuickBooks and print out these nice fancy graphs on, and charts and show you your your you know last 12 you know rolling months of of uh, the PL balance sheet. Business owners don't care. They don't, they just want you to interpret it for them and just tell them what to do in language that they can understand so they can move on and do something they prefer doing. And then the, so the first thing is they want somebody they can trust. The second thing is to tell them what to do. The third thing is so that they can have a growing and successful business. Now we define success, a successful business is two ways. The first way I already mentioned, a successful business is uh, one that can generate positive cash flow on a regular basis. Every business in the history of time would be in business today if it was able to generate cash flow, positive cash flow from the business itself. Um, the, the second thing that defines a business as successful is whatever your client defines as successful. If they define it as successful, if they get from their business what they want, then you will be successful. So if you can help them get cash flow, positive cash flow on a regular basis and help them accomplish what they want, then they will be successful. Uh, case in point, here's a you know an example of somebody. Uh, one of my clients, longtime clients, owned a, a very large uh, colonoscopy screening practice. He was a doctor. He had 16 doctors working for them, a bunch of anesthesiologists and nurses and all that. He had a very large practice. This guy was not a business owner. I mean, he was a business owner, but he mentally he was not a business owner. He admitted that. He said, "I'm not a business person. I don't want to be a business person." I just happen to have this business now. His what he deemed as a success is he was inventing a new way to do colonoscopies and he wanted to be published in the New England Journal of Medicine. That is what defined success for this guy. So my job was to make sure that he can afford to focus on research and all that. So which means his business had to be operationally financially financially healthy. Uh, that's what he wanted. Every other client is going to want something different. So that that's what I think accountants want. Are you a fan of the term trusted advisor, Adam? It's used a lot, isn't it? It is. I think it's one of those terms that can be a throwaway term, but but you but the the advisor trusted advisor is two two things. It's somebody that has to be trusted. You have to be able to invoke trust in your client enough enough to get whatever you say in the whatever you advise the client for the client to trust you enough to actually do it. <laughs> Because a lot, we get this a lot. A lot of accountants or bookkeepers will come to us and say, I tell my client what to do. I know what the problem is. They just won't do it. Well, that's the problem. You're not adequately helping your, you're not adequately, you don't, you don't have enough trust with your client, nor do you have a mechanism to get them to take action. You can't just tell them what to do. If you don't have their trust, 
they're not going to do it. And if you don't have a mechanism to get them to actually do it, they're not going to do it. So what's the point? You talk a lot about getting clients to take action. Talk is cheap. Advice is often free these days, but getting them to do something, getting them to make decisions and act on those decisions, that for me separates the good advisors from the great ones. So you then say, what makes somebody take action? Now, influence is in there. Trust is in there. Competence is in there. Being a peer of them rather than just an advisor and having the best interests, all of these things. So just summarize that for us. What pushes a client to not just value the advice from their professionals, but to do something as a result of it, Adam? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, why do most businesses fail? This is a rhetorical question, but why do most businesses fail despite you go to any bookstore and there's thousands of business books? <laughs> Everybody knows why, you know, all these, these colleges, universities spit out um, uh, you know, MBAs. Why do people get fat? There's so much nutritional advice and gym workouts and all these things. We know it, don't we? So the answer is not more knowledge. The answer is not theory. The answer lies in having somebody that a business owner can talk to that understand the, and that, that advisor has to understand the business owner and understand the specifics of the business. This is why a lot of these, these standardized coaching programs that people buy off the shelf, they just don't work because you can't put a business in a box. You just can't. Every business is different and every business has a different set of financials. And every business owner has different goals. And so you have to be somebody that, that understands the business, understands their numbers, and understand where the business owner wants to go, and then have a specific, specific system to get them there, to get them to where the business owner wants to go, to get them to have positive cash flow. And you can, you can and that's first half. The first half is you have to have the system to get them there. The second half is you have to get the business owner to actually take it, take the advice Meaning, and, and this goes more directly to your question, um, the reason why books and all these courses and this these this theory fails is because they're not they're not specific and personalized to the business owner. That you can't give gener generic advice and you can't read a book and expect the business owner to know how to apply that to their business. We the business owner needs a trusted advisor, somebody that, that's there that knows them, whether they're there virtually or physically and can tailor advice specific to them that will accomplish their two goals, cash flow and success and can give them a, a plan of action of what to do over the next we 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 do it in 30-day increments, monthly increments. Here's the plan of action of what to do in the next 30 days. That's no more than three items long. And these are the three, the, the top three things that, that the client needs to focus on and accomplish in order to be on track to hit their goals. And if you could tailor that advice and get a client to actually understand it enough to get them to take action and check in with them on a regular basis, they'll do it. And then they'll be way more successful than if they, that business owner read every business book in the world. And didn't take action. You mentioned the phrase checking. Accountability comes into this because if you're my advisor and we set out a system, a checklist, some steps, whatever it is, and we agree what needs to be done. And in a month, I haven't done it. I need to trust you enough and be vulnerable with you enough to admit I haven't done it. You need to be candid enough with me to kick my backside and say, why haven't you done it? And hold me accountable. That's a delicate relationship, isn't it? Because no one likes to fall short. I, I love that you brought that up because accountability is so important because it there's something that mentally shifts and the psychologically shifts in the business owner's mind when they know that somebody is expecting them to do something even though the business owner knows they absolutely need to do it if they know that they're going to be asked about it something shifts 
But also it's this idea that business owners are, are human. They want praise and they want uh, accolades and they want to be told that they're doing a great job. Who in their life is doing that? They're the boss. Their employees aren't doing it. They need somebody that can do it. And if, and you know, if, and that's why it's so important to have this trusted advisor that is that is that is almost like metaphorically putting their arm around your shoulder and saying, "Okay, you didn't accomplish this last month. It's it's okay. Let's figure out what happened, what went wrong. What you did accomplish was fantastic, but the this one thing that that didn't happen, talk it out. Why do you think it didn't happen? This will lower their guard, and then the business owner will trust the business advisor, the CFO, enough to to continue telling them, you know, confiding in them. It's almost like a therapy session. Let's talk about the CPA or Chartered Accountancy qualification, Adam. I'm I'm intrigued in what makes an accountant a CFO or an advisor. Moving to advisory, we know there's downward pressure on compliance fees. We know it's been devalued by the client. We know that automation and AI and everything else is making compliance a lot easier. I mean, goodness me, ChatGPT can pass the CPA exam now. So we, we know that. So when you look at the qualification for an accountant, how does it equip them, if at all, to become a professional advisor, the kind of which you're talking about here, or doesn't it? Uh, I don't think it does, honestly. To, to becoming a CPA, if you want to become a CPA or chartered accountant, you are essentially saying, I want to be somebody that can uh, understand the complexities of tax or auditing and 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 really make that my skill set, my expertise. And a CFO is not doing that so much. Correct. A CFO's job is not to be the accountant. The CFO's job is to take the accounting and figure out the best way for the business to move forward to accomplish the goals of the business. Getting so the CFO flow. needs to know how to read a PL and a balance sheet, but make decisions from that and prompt the business owner to do something. And that could be the accountant. But it's unlikely to be a business owner may need two people in there. That's true. There, I mean, just like you need an attorney, for example, you need you need other specific professionals in, involved. I mean, you if the CFO, the, the job of the CFO is to be the guide, the, the special advisor, if you will, to the business owner, and then help put the other people, professional experts in place, tax people, attorneys, you know, whatever, marketing experts in place to make sure that they're on track to, to, to get, you know, here's a, here's a prime example of CPA. We get this a lot. A lot of CPAs will come into our program and they'll say, well, I have this program to help businesses save on taxes. Well, if, if it was me and I had a choice between saving on making, you know, a little amount of money, but because I, but saving a lot on taxes and making a lot of money and paying the government more, I would rather pay the government more if that means me making more money. Just saving on taxes, what's the, what's the point? The whole, the idea is that the more you pay in taxes, as long as you're taking the, the appropriate tax deductions, the more you pay in taxes means you've made more money. I'd rather pay a million dollars in taxes a year, as long as, of course, I want to take all appropriate tax, you know, uh, 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 appropriate tax savings as possible. I don't want to give the government more than I need to, but but what is it saying that I'm making that if I made paid a thousand a million dollars in taxes a year, that means I made a lot of money. I'd rather do that than all focus on just saving, you know, saving on taxes. That's not the goal of the business. So Adam, is it as simple as encouraging accountants to ask more future focused questions? Is it as simple as that? Or is there a whole new skill set in the CFO financial advisor arena that accountants need to upgrade on, requalify, re-accredit on to be this kind of 
holistic professional you're talking about? I think it is as simple as asking questions, but I don't think it's easy. I think there's a difference between the two. It's because first of all, I mean, let's say you want to become your accountant, you want to become a CFO or business advisor to a client. Um, you could, you need a few things in place. One, you need to know how to get your existing clients to upgrade to a you know, twenty five hundred dollar a month service. Two, you need to be able to attract leads, new people to your practice. Um, you can't just raise your hand and say I'm an accountant in a in the middle of a networking group. You know that's the quickest way to. <laughs> to uh, repel people is to say that you're an accountant. You're because no, who wants to talk to an accountant? So you have to have you have to have talking points. You have to have marketing uh, messaging to uh, to attract business owners to you, um, and then you have to have a way to sell them on a high ticket service. And then once you get a client, you have to have a way to keep a client because the reason why Fortune 500, you know, big big publicly traded companies have CFOs because they want to make more money. Not only they want to stay in business, but they want to make more money. And so you will never run yourself out of a job if you're helping your client make more money, which means the CFOs or the accountants that lose clients, there's a reason. There's a reason why you're not providing value. Adam, I want to get you back on another episode if you're up for that to talk about how accounting types and CFO types start to build this advisory business, how they get the clients they want, how they charge for this, how they bring new clients into the practice and upsell and things like this. But for now, just end for us, would you, with a call to arms to accounting professionals and wannabe CFOs to say, look, there is a need out there for what you do. Here's the tsunami of demand that's coming for these kind of services. Here's how you need to step up and plug in this gap to build a really successful practice and really serve these businesses out here. Just end with that for us. We'll put your contact details for CFO Project and your podcast on our show notes, but leave us with that message and then we'll bring you back and talk about the nuts and bolts of making this happen. Yeah, I love that. Um, I would say there's two things that I think every bookkeeper accountant wants to do. A, they want to make more money in less time. And B, I think they want to have an impact. And that's the, the impact feature is the one thing that I think makes this profession so worth it. Because these business owners, and there's millions of business owners, there's thousands in your hometown that are struggling and overwhelmed, and they don't know you exist. But if they did, and they hired you as your, their CFO, they would have a peace of mind, and they would have a better business, which means they're they would be more present at home because they're not stressed about their business. Their employees would get paid more because they would have more money to, to give out, which means their employees' uh, families would be happier. You would be helping everyday business people with having a peace of mind and having a better business. And that means you will be having a major impact on society. And that what what's more important than that? I would rather have more impact than make more money. But in this, you could do both. <laughs> Adam Lean, you are on a crusade. We love your message. It's been great talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights.